Let me just remind you what we've been talking about this past several weeks. And hopefully I will wet the lips and the, the and entice the hearts of our visitors today to come back as we continue speaking on the subject of breathe on me. Breathe on me. And the premise of this series has been of how I believe without a shadow of a doubt, God wants us once again to reconcile as a church and begin to walk according to his spirit. You see, we've done so good by ourselves, it seems like. We've learned the, the trickery. We've learned the artistry of handling businesses and finances and marketing and lights and smoke and all these things. All with the hopes of enticing the hearts of viewers to come. And yet their visit is short-lasting and nothing happens deep within because you see this big screen doesn't have any power to change the life of a man. I'm not saying anything against those things are nice. They're good. You can see, especially for guys that have short vision like me, I can see breathe on us. But again, the premise of this message is to get us back to relate to him. John 14 and 15. I want you to write this scripture down because there is a, just a few, just four words that I want you to record in your heart. And every morning when you wake up, I, I want you to rehearse these words and make it personal. This is what Jesus prayed and what he spoke. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. See, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But here it is. Underscore these lines in your Bible. Write them somewhere where you can read this because this is what the Lord is demanding of us. It's not a recommendation it's a position he has placed us in. It's a responsibility as believers in Christ when he says, but you know him. Everybody say, but you know him. Now say, I must know him. Did you hear what he said again? He said, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. This is your place. This is how it's supposed to be. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now how many of us can testify that we're living up to that call? How many of us can say, yes, Lord, when you said, but you know him, I can earnestly look at you face to face, oh, Father, and say, yes, I know him. I know that he is with me and he is in me. May I challenge you, ladies and gentlemen, to consider that the potential is very good that very few people know him, acknowledge him, 
around them and much less in them. We could go through a series of proofs this morning to tell you how much we fail in trying to stand and declare that truth as unto ourselves. Since this series, ladies and gentlemen, I've been approached by people here in the church at the end when I stand there to greet our visitors and greet you as well. But they've said, Pastor, thank you for this series, Breathe on Us, because that's really someone I didn't really know about. I said, what are you referring to? He said, the Holy Spirit. I said, man, you've been here with us all this time. Yeah, I, I don't know about the subject. I said, oh, it's not a subject. No, no, he's a person. That, that might be the first mistake right there. That he's not a subject. People will walk out of the church in a service like this and say, well, the subject was the Holy Spirit. You know, he's, you know, the subject was this bottle of water. No, no, no. He's a person. He's someone that God is expecting us to know, to meet, to be acquainted with, to walk with, to listen to, to be instructed by, to be encouraged by, to be helped by, to be loved by, to be taught by. And that's what we've been learning We've been learning of him, who he is, his characteristics, what he does and what he does not do, what he accepts and what he will not accept. Last week we ended our message with the topic of blasphemy. And that was shocking to some people. Because they never thought that blasphemy was such a serious offense in the heart of God. And in this world today, ladies and gentlemen, more and more we are living in a blasphemous time. From television to comedy to literature to radio shows to everything. Your television at home is full of blasphemy. And we've learned to gloss over the idea and the truth of blasphemy and say, well, whatever, it doesn't pertain to me, careful. Because it's something very important to God to be sitting there while someone mocks the Holy Spirit. Someone gives credit to the Holy Spirit when it wasn't him at all. This is why I'm very careful with allowing people to say, thus saith the Lord. I'm very careful with people who say, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord told me. Careful. Ah, forgers are dealt with by God. When you forge something, you put a signature in the name of someone that really did not sign that particular document. And when you say, thus saith the Lord. That's an offense. If you do that today, forgery, you'll go to jail. And so the topic 
this past Sunday as we closed was all in reference and all the objective was to teach us to revere him, ladies and gentlemen. To respect him, to know that he is holy. And that we should never take him as a joke. Never sit there in the midst in the council of people while they are joking of him. As I told you, you see, God will allow man in his foolishness to take his name in vain. This is why some people cuss and give God a last name. This is why people in every occasion say, ah, ah, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, and Jesus is everywhere and everything. Or you see something vulgar, something bad or good or what? Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ, man. Jesus. You see, and the Lord will allow, in the foolishness of men, he'll allow you to, to mess with that and still find redemption. You see the humility of their heart. But yet he reserves, as I said to you, one eternal sin that he will never tolerate. And that is the blasphemy of his spirit. Now, don't kill the messenger. I can read it for you just in case you don't read Bible. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verse 29. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. And so we spoke about that. Again, all in effort, ladies and gentlemen, to teach us the church to revere the Spirit of the Lord once again. To hold Him just like God. One of the names that he is given in the scripture is the good spirit. In the times of Nehemiah. And they had lost all the Old Testament, the books of the law. They found them and they, they re-excavated them and began to read them again. This is when you find the Bible of the people fasting and weeping on the ground as they heard the word of God once again after several years because the temple had been destroyed. And in the readings of Nehemiah, as he recants in prayer the testimony of their forefathers and the goodness of God to them, he says this in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 20. He said, oh, Lord... You gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your good spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is good. I said, he's good. You always love somebody who's good. He's good. Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me. And I wonder sometimes if the Holy Spirit is so good, why do we wrestle with him so much? Why do we not allow him? You see, he's given this name, Good Spirit. I'm going to close. Don't worry. It's almost pumpkin turning time for some people. But you see, he's given the name, the Good Spirit, to further convince us of his deity. Remember, he's called the Spirit, and we learn things about him being called the Spirit, which teaches us that he has nothing to do with that which is material. 
He, he's completely out. There's nothing. No one made him. You cannot pin him down. You cannot box him. You cannot weigh him. You cannot do these things. He's nothing material. We learned about him being the breath of God, the wind, how he goes back and forth and no one can stop him. We learned about his violence and how the word violence in the Greek in this particular text that we read means to resist the oppressors. That means it's a good thing to be in step with the Spirit of the Lord because anytime oppression comes to you, he is violent enough to stand for you and defend you. But you see, it's called the good spirit to further prove his deity as an essential nature and condition of being like God. Some people deny the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here we call him the good spirit to bring him to the Godhead. You know why? Because the Bible says that there is only one that is good. And who is it? God. Matthew 19 and 17. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. And the reference was made about the Lord our God as being good. And so we learn of this Holy Spirit, this person, beautiful person, that he is like God in being good. He is auspicious. He is favorable. He is favoring, thoughtful. He is kindly. He is desiring to anyone who reaches out to know him. You know, in this world, I've heard this question posed many times, and maybe you have as well. Have you ever been asked, is there anything good here in this world? Yes? You've heard it said. If not, you question, you've heard people say, is there anything good? And you look around and all the chaos, uh, what else can birth from your heart is, is there anything good? Anything left? Que nos queda? No hay nada bueno. I beg to differ. There is one who is good. I said, there is one who is good. There is one who is good. Regardless of how the evening news speaks to us and gives us daily reports of violence, disregard, and hatred, cheating, lying, backstabbing, murder, and all these things, in the midst of this mess, is there anything good? Yes, there is. If anybody ever poses that question to you, you as a believer should have an answer. And I'm giving you an open book answer. Is there anything good? And your answer is yes. Where and who? The Lord our God is good. He is good. He is good since the beginning and will be good forever. And it speaks to us of his Holy Spirit in the same way. Last verse I'll read to you, I promise. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And what? Make me believe it. 
goodness. This is so pleasing for me to hear. Because it seems like we live in a world where everyone's trying to cheat somebody out. Go buy a car. Any car settlements here? I'll take the blame for that. That was not the spirit of the Lord. There's always someone trying to stifle you. How can we not want someone good in our lives? How can we not want to nurture a relationship with someone who is always good? Not only will he provide good fruit for you, but he will make you the producer of good fruit as well. You know what's wrong with this world today? Why there are so many evil deeds? Because they have no good spirit in them. Because anyone with this good spirit will always produce good fruit. Which takes us to the conversation of Jesus when he said, every good tree produces, or you will know the tree by its, you will know which tree by its, by its fruit. And so if the spirit of the Lord is a fruit provider and fruit giver, what does it make us if we are giving out bitter fruit? It makes us disconnected with him. I'm going to stop today. And I'm going to encourage you to first wait upon the Lord. Trust in God. I don't know what you may be going through this morning, but you've been waiting. I'm here to testify. You know what I almost did, and maybe I'll do it next week. I was going to make you a picture of my blood report. We have some doubting Thomases in the house. Thomas, are you here? I want to see the scar in your hand. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, I'll tell my PC guys back there. I said, you know what, I'm going to take a picture of my blood test. And you put it up and scroll it so they can see proof of a miracle. That's a godly thing to do. It's not being show off. Did Jesus not tell the leper, go show yourself? <laughs> Forgot that one, didn't you? Did he not say that? Yeah. Yeah, go show yourself. Go show that I'm for real. Go show that what I told you was going to happen. You see, I'm not ashamed to show you my blood test. You know why? You won't see a red smark on it. My blood is excellent. I've got the blood of Jesus in me. Hallelujah. And so can you. Whatever illness, whatever situation you may be going through today, wait upon the Lord. He will strengthen you through it and bring you through it and give you victory. Secondly, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, I know I just simply touched base. Let us learn to reveal. To revere the spirit of the Lord again. See, he's the miracle worker. 
He's the active agent of God. This is why Jesus said, I'm going back to the Father, but God, I'm going to leave you the one who can work it out here. It's not by power, it's not by might, but it's by my, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm going to leave you the working agent here. He's going to speak to you and reveal all truth. He's not forgetful like us. He will remind you of everything I've said. He will resist your oppressors. He will give you joy even in the middle, in the midst of a Roman prison cell along with Paul and Silas. Being hip deep in the city's mess still, they found a praise in their heart for their Savior. Because the Spirit of the Lord was there. Are you downcast today? May I introduce you to the good Spirit. As I ask you to stand this morning. May I introduce you to a Savior that will love you in spite of. A Savior that will offer you an agape love, which means an unconditional selfless love who will love you and be good to you by His Spirit. What are you going through today, through today that may be causing you pain or tears or sorrow? Hmm. May I introduce you to the Savior, to the good Savior, wonderful Savior, the one who is spirit and untouched by anything material. He's uninfluenced by anything that's happening in this world that we're living in. The White House has no power over him. The city officials have no power over him. The devil himself that moves rampantly across the plains of this earth have no power over him. He's a good God. He's a good Savior. He will be good to you. Do you need him today? I see he's, he's only an arm length away. If you look at my arm, that's about two and a half feet right there. This is about as far as you can push God away. But once you put your arm down, he'll come in. Maybe you've been holding your arm up and you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart. I put my arms down, Lord. And let him come and embrace you. Let him come and love you. Let him come and seal you with that good spirit to provide for you, comfort you, encourage you, love you, build you up, correct you, direct you. Let him do that today and you will see a difference in your life that's unexplainable to this world. The only way you can explain the goodness of God is by walking in front of them and revealing the goodness of God and what he's done for you. I stood up here telling you I was a man that literally died for a few minutes at Baylor Hospital because of my cirrhosis. Me. But I stand here today to prove to you that the one in whom I have trusted 
has been faithful to keep me here today. And he is able to do that for you.